Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning, everybody. If you have a Bible, well, first of all, where's my mom? Where? Oh, mom, mom. I just want to make sure I could wave at my mom, you know, on Christmas. So glad that you're here this morning. If you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. But before you do that, on the screen is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. You've been doing really good on this for the last few weeks. You know what you're supposed to do. If it's bold or underlined, that's your word, right? So here's what the Bible says. God saved you by his when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a from God. Keep that in mind. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. So Christmas, it is the best time of the year for parents to bribe their children to act right. You don't believe that parents resort to bribery at Christmas time to get their children to behave? What about this? Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Why? Because it's the right thing to do? No. Because I said so? No. Santa Claus is coming to town, right? He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. That's a little creepy. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Does anyone know who wrote that song by any chance? I didn't. I had to look it up. That was written by a man by the name of Haven Gillespie. I assume he had a really bad child. Here's why. He only had one child. He battled alcohol addiction his whole life. And that's his number one hit right there. Uh, he released that on the radio in 1934. The very next, now again, 1934. So there wasn't downloads and stuff like that, right? So in 1934, he releases that. The very next day, 100,000 copies of the sheet music were ordered. Again, it was released in November, and by Christmas, 400,000 orders for the sheet music. Why? Because parents wanted to bribe their children to act right at Christmas time. Well, now we have Elf on a Shelf. We didn't have Elf on a Shelf when I was a kid. We had Belt with a Welt. Some of you, you had switches for your britches. I don't know what you had, but anyway, so Elf on the Shelf now is, is kind of, it's a doll. And, and this doll is what parents use to bribe their children to act right. Because what happens is, is the, the, the little elf doll comes to life when everyone in the house is asleep and he reports to Santa Claus then the behavior of the children. What he is, is he's a spy. Now think about this with me just for a second. People are telling their children that they have a doll in the house that comes alive when they're asleep. Does anyone remember the movie Poltergeist? Now, I wouldn't be the one to do it, but somebody's going to make a movie. And the little elf is going to come to life and start slashing little kids or something like that. Now, I said it first, so I get 
some royalties in this when somebody does it. So, so the truth is, kids may not act good because it's right. They may not act good because mom and dad said so. But they just might act right if they think Santa has a naughty or nice list. Because if you're on the naughty list, everyone knows there's no presents for Christmas. But even still, Christmas, of course, is a fun season. You've got the decorations and the lights, and there's tons of Christmas movies to watch, especially if you have the Hallmark Channel. I want you to know, this may surprise you, I've seen every Hallmark Christmas movie. And you may be thinking, how in the world do you have enough time to do that? It only takes two hours. Because if you've seen one, you've seen them all, right? The driven career person has to go to their hometown in Vermont and they find love again three years after their spouse died. That's all of them. I've seen them all. But there actually are some great Christmas movies. And this morning, you might want to get your cell phones ready so you can capture a picture of this when the list is done. I'm giving you Pastor Paul's top ten Christmas movies. What's the criteria, you say? Here's the criteria. If it comes on, how apt am I to watch it? Even though I've seen it a hundred times. So here they are. Number 10, Elf. Number 9, Christmas Vacation. Oh, by the way, what you're going to not find on this list is Die Hard. Because it's not a Christmas movie. Number 8. A Christmas Story, right, Ralphie? The BB gun. Number seven, The Santa Claus, the first one. Great movie. Number six, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Jim Carrey version only. I was with my, my uh, brother this weekend, and, and I had mentioned something about it, and he had never seen it. And uh, I told him, I said, that you, you, it's one you've got to watch if you've never seen it before. Um, I don't particularly care for Jim Carrey, but I think it's his best work. Great movie. Number five, Santa Claus 2. Uh, number four, Home Alone. Number three, Miracle on 34th Street. Number two, White Christmas. And Pastor Paul's number one Christmas movie of all time, It's a Wonderful Life. Actually, I'm going to steal a video from one of those movies this morning to kind of launch us into uh, our message I'm going to steal a clip from The Santa Claus 2. Uh, in this movie, uh, the, the Santa Claus, who is Scott Calvin, played by Tim Allen, they, they un, unfold to him that there is a, a, another clause that he has to follow. It's the Mrs. Claus. He has to go find a wife to be the real Santa. So he has to leave the North Pole to go find a wife. I'm just setting up the, the clip for you. And so they, in order to keep everything going at the North Pole, they have to have a a Santa figure, and so they clone Santa. And so it's a Santa clone, and he, he kind of looks a little plasticky, rubbery, but they tell all the elves, you know, to, to just ignore Santa's look. You know, he's, he's got a little bit different thing going on, but they all believe it's the real Santa. And um, so the Santa clone here, he's a robot, but in this movie he begins to think that he's the real Santa, and he wants to now literally apply all of the rules of the Santa handbook. So watch this. What is he doing in the Naughty and Nice Center? What's going on here? Well, I'm checking the Naughty Nice list. Actually, I'm checking it twice. I already told you. It's 
been checked. Don't worry about it. Well, I do worry about it. There's a lot of mistakes on this list. I'll give you big fat, for instance. In Denmark, there's a guy named Sven Hallstrom right here. He's a Dane. Apparently, he was wiping his nose on his sister's shirt. Yuck! That's not very nice. And yet, he's on the nice list. We try to cut most of the children a little bit of slack this time of year. I don't understand that. It looks like kids are misbehaving everywhere. They're running with scissors. They're always sticky. I'm not going to stop this car. No, we're not there yet. Brush your teeth. Pick up those clothes. It goes on and on. But they're just kids. Everybody misbehaves sometimes. But according to the Santa handbooks, naughty kids get lumps of coal in their stockings. Right? And if they don't have stockings, we will make them stockings. In my little personal opinion, I think they should all get coal in their stockings, don't you? No, that's not how it works. Get me the naughty nice list. Get me every list. Get me everything. The Santa clone in, in this clip of the movie is what we would call a, a legalist. Now, in, in Christianity, a legalist is someone who emphasizes rule following above all else and that rule following is a proof of godliness. When I was a kid, we had such rules uh, in church. For example, godly men and boys had short haircuts. If you were a godly man, the rule was your hair didn't touch your ears or your collar. And as long as you followed those rules, you were a godly man. The problem is there were men in the church that had short haircuts, who were thieves and drunks and skirt chasers. But hey, they followed the rule. And it was obedience to those rules that mattered the most. That's what legalism is. It's all about the rules. And so, so Santa, the Santa clone, is a legalist. He, he's an example of what happens when the Santa handbook rules are followed to the nth degree. And so if a child did one bad thing, they got on the naughty list and got cold for Christmas. Unless... They were, and I quote the movie, cut a little slack. Well, we have another term for cutting a little slack, and that term is what we call grace. Today, I want to share a message with you titled, Unwrapping the Gift of Grace. So I start with a question, and what, what if God had a naughty list? That's just a what if, right? What if God had a naughty list, and everyone who was on that list went to hell when they died. And we got put on the naughty list by doing only one bad thing. We wiped our nose on our sister's shirt. Yuck. Ran with scissors or whatever it is, but we did one bad thing. We got put on that list. The truth is, if that's the way it worked, we would need somebody to cut us a little slack, wouldn't we? We would need grace and that's exactly what we're offered. And so today I want to share with you three things about unwrapping the gift of grace. The first is this. Every human being starts off on God's naughty list. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says this. It's one of many verses like it. It just simply says this. Everyone has sinned. The truth is, is we're all sinners. And you know what? We don't need somebody to tell us that. I don't need somebody to come and tell me that I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I know that I do things that I shouldn't do. We've all said unkind words. We've all at some point in our life taken something that wasn't ours. We've, we've lied. We've had impure thoughts. But even more than that, sometimes we get this idea that sin is bad things that we do. But sin is also good things that we know we're supposed to do that we don't do. 
If there's something that we know and it's good to do and we don't do that, that too is sin. We're all sinners. Now, that doesn't mean that we all don't have a good heart and that we all don't do good things as well. But because we inherited a sin nature from Adam and we sin on our own, it puts us on God's naughty list. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, We were dead because of our sins. So we're born sinners. And the end result, it's not coal in a Christmas stocking. The Bible says that it's death. It's physical death. But more importantly, it's spiritual death. Our sin creates a barrier between us and God. And if that barrier isn't removed, then we're separated from God for all eternity. The only way to get to heaven then is to get off the, again, I'm just using the Christmas terminology, to get off that naughty list and get onto the nice list. But the thing is, the nice list is reserved for only those who have never sinned. You know what that means? That means it leaves us all out. What we need is somebody to cut us a little slack. So every human being starts off on God's naughty list, number two. But God offers us all the gift of grace. He does it because of Jesus. I asked you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. So I want you to look there with me. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. The Bible says this, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. What is grace? The best way to define grace is just simply this way. It's when we receive something that we don't deserve. Someone is hungry and broke. And they go into a store and they steal food and they get caught by the manager. Instead of calling the police, he gives them a job. They don't deserve it. That's grace. College student has final exam coming up. And the prof said, there is no makeups. And the student oversleeps because of studying. And the prof allows them to take the test anyway. That's grace. See, grace is when we're giving some, given something that we don't deserve. Because we are sinners, we don't deserve to go to heaven. But God extended to us grace. And he did it through Jesus. Jesus didn't just come to be a sweet little baby in a manger. He came to die on a cross to pay the price for our sin. And here's where Jesus' death matters and why it had to be Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, For he, speaking of Jesus, faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So we're all sinners, but Jesus never sinned. But he died on the cross. He died a death that he did not deserve. We deserved it, but he took our place. He made it possible for us to be saved from death and hell. We don't deserve it, and that's why it's called grace. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus for forgiveness of sin, God doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees us as righteous because of Jesus. Philippians chapter 3 verse 9 says this, I become one with Christ. 
I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And the beauty of all this is this act of grace is a gift from God to us. Third thing I want you to see is this. The great thing about gifts is they are always free. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says this. The wages of sin is death. We all know what wages are, right? It's, it's you getting the pay that you deserve for your work. So what we deserve for our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. We're just sinners that deserve hell. All of us. But God in his grace offered us forgiveness, salvation as a free gift. See, by their very nature, gifts are free. They have no cost. You don't have to work for them. And even if we try to work to earn God's favor, it backfires on us. Let me give you a hypothetical. Let's say that, that my wife, Lynn, goes off for a week. Goes and, and spends a week with some friends. And on the day that she's going to come back, I want to make a really good impression, right? I, I want to really gain her favor. I want to really gain her approval. I, I want to make sure that she loves and appreciates me. You see, for some people, when you're apart for that long, it's absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? I'm always afraid it's going to be out of sight, out of mind. So, so I want to make sure that, that you know, when she gets back, that, that she, she really loves me and she approves of me. So here's what I do. And I get this from the Andy Griffith Show, which, by the way, after the Bible, Andy Griffith Show is a good second place to go for wisdom. So, so there's an episode on the Andy Griffith Show. And uh, Aunt B is going to go off and see a, a relative. And... On the day that she's going to come back, Andy and Opie have left the house a disaster. And on the day she's going to come back, Andy is like, we can't do this to her. we got to get this place clean. And so they start cleaning, and they, they get it all spick and span. And she's coming home, and she's thinking to herself, they're so helpless, and this place is going to be a disaster. And she's knowing that when she walks in, that she's going to have a lot of work to do. And when she walks in and sees the clean house, she's disappointed. Because she doesn't feel like she's needed. I won't go into the rest of the episode. Um, so I decide I want my wife to love me by feeling needed. I want to gain her approval by when she walks in, letting her know how much I need her. So I take all the dirty laundry and I go scatter it everywhere in the house. Just everywhere. So when she walks in, it's just everywhere. I even get clothes that are clean and go rub them in the yard to dirty them up just so there will be plenty for her when she comes in. Now, when she walks in the door, how do you suppose she's going to feel? I think it's probably going to be something like this. Why, Paul, why... Are you trying to gain my approval with dirty laundry? And that's exactly how God feels when we try to earn his approval by our good, good works. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 says this. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. 
See, Lynn wouldn't like me anymore if I threw all the laundry on the floor. And God isn't impressed at all with your good deeds. When we try to impress God with our good deeds, you know what he sees? He just sees dirty laundry. He just sees rags. There is no good thing that we can do, no amount of good works that we can perform to gain God's favor, to get off of that, again, naughty list, so to speak. We can't do it on our own. We've got to have somebody cut us some slack. The gift of his grace is what we need. Having our sin forgiven and that gift, it's free. So with that all said, what would keep someone from unwrapping this gift of grace today? If there's someone here that maybe they, they, they're hearing about forgiveness of sin through Jesus for the first time, or maybe for the 50th time, but they've never decided to commit their life to Jesus and make this decision to have faith in him, what would keep them today from unwrapping the gift of God's grace? Well, let me, let me illustrate what I think would do that. So it's Christmas morning, and you have a son and a daughter. And under the tree, you have one giant gift for each of them. And so one's got your son's name, one's got your daughter's name, and they're wrapped up. And so they run in under the tree at Christmas morning, and they see these giant gifts, and they're going to be what? They're going to be so excited. And they can't wait to open them up because, because it's not going to cost them anything, and it's going to be something awesome. But I can think of something that might make them not want to open those gifts. A lie. If you told your girl, your little girl, that that present that you got her was a box full of spiders, you know what? She's probably not going to open that gift. Or if you told your son that in that giant gift for him was a Barbie dream house, he's probably not going to open that gift. I want you to understand this morning, that's exactly what Satan is doing in regard to God's grace. He knows how it is the most awesome gift that anyone can ever unwrap. So he makes up an incredible lie to deceive people into walking away from it and not opening it, even though it has their name written on it. In the Santa Claus movie, the Santa clone wanted to focus on the rules. And how the children couldn't measure up. Satan is the same way. Satan wants us to focus on, on the rules and be crippled by the fact that we can't measure up. And the truth is, I can't measure up and neither can you. But that's where grace comes in. That verse that we read at the very first of the service, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. I will paraphrase it and, and make it practical. God will save you by his grace if you'll believe. And it's not something that you can work for or earn with your good works because those things are just dirty laundry. But that gift of grace is a free gift from God. If you've never unwrapped the gift of God's grace in your life, don't listen to the lies anymore. That gift has got your name written on it today. I want to encourage you to unwrap it. And receive this gift that you don't deserve. That God who is rich in mercy and who loves you. Is offering forgiveness of sin. Through Christ's death on the cross. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning.
I always believe that every time we gather that there are people first that they've, they've never made any type of move towards God. As a matter of fact, they've tried to kind of keep their distance because there's a lot of things that they don't understand or maybe some of the things that they think they understand, they don't know how to process. So I, there's always people that have kind of purposely kept some distance between them and God. I also believe that there are people that want to have some relationship with God. They just don't want to do it the way that God says it needs to be done. They want to kind of make up their own rules. They want to earn their own way, follow their own rules, get there by their works or their good heart or their good things. And you know what? The Bible makes it clear that those things don't matter. The only thing that matters is our belief in Jesus Christ placing our trust in him because he died on a cross for our sin. We can't earn it. We can't work for it. It's a free gift, and we don't deserve it. That's what makes it grace. If you're here this morning, you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to understand there is a gift with your name on it right now. Please don't walk away from it. Don't listen to Satan lies about what it involves. Understand, it is the only way that the barrier between you and God can ever be erased. The Bible says that if you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ, you simply do it by confessing with your mouth. It can be out loud, it can be silent, but generally when we talk to people about making a commitment to Christ, we talk about doing it in prayer. It's talking to God. And you may be thinking, I want to commit my life to Jesus today. I don't really know how to do it. Well, I, I want to help you. I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and there's, there's no magic in the words to this prayer. The magic happens in your heart when you come to the place where you acknowledge, I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus. And if that's you today, why don't you just pray this with me? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I don't really need anybody to tell me that. I already know. And I know that there's, that my sin has created this barrier between me and God. And I can never do enough good things to span that barrier. But I believe that's why Jesus died. I believe he died on the cross to pay for my sin. And I want to commit my life to him today. God, I don't know what it all means right now. But the one thing I do know is that my sin can be forgiven. And I want to receive that free gift today. If you prayed that prayer, if you prayed anything like that, but you meant it from the bottom of your heart, acknowledging your need for Jesus, the Bible says that you can walk out of this place today knowing that you have eternal life. 
it is God's grace. That is one of the greatest gifts that we can ever unwrap. And no better time than the Christmas season. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that while we were sinners, Christ, who had no sin, died for us and in our place. Thank you that you freely offer, because of your grace, this way for us to spend eternity in heaven with you. There's nothing that we can do to ever deserve it. But help us to live each day to show gratitude for your grace. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.